Yay! Welcome back to Healed as Fuck the podcast. Uh, we are here to um, gather healing stories for visibility and also to share communal knowledge. And today I'm super stoked to be here with my very longtime pal, Corey. Hey. And I just have to acknowledge that it's still weird to call you Corey. Um, <laughs> The people must know that we met in roller derby and we may call each other different names. That you're <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck is Doogie and Sleaze? We are. <laughs> We're about to find out. <laughs> um, so to kick it off, I always ask everyone to please introduce yourself. Hey, so I'm Corey, uh, also Doogie Pounder MD. That's me. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Short, sweet, to the point. Okay. Um, I mean, it's true. Um, and I'm sure we're about to learn a whole bunch more about you. Um, all right. First question. Uh, um, so we know healing can encompass a whole fuck ton of different aspects of our life. Um, if you can uh, touch on some realms of healing that you've moved through in the past. Oh, uh, so I have a lot, a lot, a lot of traumas from growing up, uh, starting from being adopted uh, and kind of having to go through abandonment issues. Uh, and then uh, I'm also incredibly neurodivergent uh, and, you know, trying to fit in in a, in a world and in schools where, you know, students around you aren't uh, is incredibly difficult. And really kind of made it's that was kind of the beginning of me being othered mm. uh, and me being an other kind of person aside from being black and just kind of always being different in terms of my personality and the person that I am uh so I mean you you have I, excuse me you I <laughs> so I've got uh dyslexia I've got ADHD I've got anxiety I've got bipolar depression um and I think that's most of them. Uh, so just kind of having to work through all of those issues and not really having language, uh, not having, not having the power to articulate to people what my needs are. Uh, yeah. Um. All right. Here's our first follow-up. Uh, off book question. Uh, I just I know for me like I'm I'm already resonating with like like how you don't have the language for a while to even like know what's going on or know what you need. I felt similarly. I didn't get the quote unquote proper diagnosis of my bipolar one until I was like 25, almost 26, and you know while there are so many ways we can um, deal with our mental health, I, for me personally, getting that diagnosis and, and also getting finally on the like quote unquote proper meds, like really changed fucking everything for me. And it, it gave me that language to finally understand what the functioning is of that and what my needs are. Could you talk a little bit more about that kind of, um, what that journey looked like for you? Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, so I, my mom is actually a child psychologist. Uh, so she really at, at a very early age kind of like started seeing signs that there was different things about me. Uh, so I started therapy when I was six and, uh, had the same therapist from six to about 19. Uh, and it, it was an amazing experience, especially to have the same therapist. Um, but I also didn't really, I think I, at that time, especially lived in a lot of fear of myself, um, and not being normal and was fighting so hard to be normal, be regular, uh, that I wasn't always open with my therapist. Uh, so I actually spent a lot of time, even in therapy, um, struggling. And, you know, I struggled a lot with severe depression and I spent about 10 years trying to kill myself mm. uh, from like age 10 to about 20. And there wasn't a single person that knew because I didn't tell anybody. Uh, I was so ashamed. And it was like, I didn't have anybody in the world that I could let that, let, I could let in on that level without feeling like I was going to disappoint them. And that disappointment was, you know, you just keep layering levels of embarrassment, shame, you know, regret, dislike, disapproval for yourself. And uh, so, you know, much like you said, medications. Uh, so I was doing therapy. I was medicated pretty early and I didn't like it. I had a horrible experience being medicated as a kid where for me, I felt like it, they did things. Uh, my antidepressants made me feel, but it made me feel like I was myself, like a person and my core, my being was sitting on my own shoulder, kind of watching the shell of a person walk through life. And, you know, the medications that those medications that were, that were supposed to make me feel better would keep me up at night. So I have to be put on medications to put me to sleep, to counter the medications that, you know, and so it was always one medication for this and another medication for this. And all of it just doesn't make me feel good. And so I think it was probably when I was able to have say for my, myself over my, my medical practices at about 18, I decided not to be medicated. And I, it was very difficult, but I had to learn skills um, that would allow me to get through life. Um, and this is all without me having a proper understanding of my diagnoses, uh, other than dyslexia and ADHD uh, and depression. Uh, so, you know, I, I found things, I found groups, I found, you know, things that made me happy. I found softball, I found uh, choir, I found roller derby, I found just amazing people and communities that had like-minded people um, that I, I slowly began to learn to lean on. Um, and, you know, then the pandemic happened and it was like all the work I did, it briefly felt like it was undone. Um, I, I got incredibly shook and, you know, as someone who kind of, I, I live in this kind of bubble of my own cause I'm by myself and, you know, I, th I thought that I was prepared for a world of isolation since I was already pretty much isolated. Uh, but you, you kind of realize it's a different kind of isolation. Um, so I had to. I had to do something I said I never wanted to do again, which is get back on medications. And 
it was a difficult journey. It was a, a journey of me having to find the right psychiatrist for me. And that was a big deal because my last one was not good. He was diag or he was medicating for issues or things that he heard that I was saying that weren't issues. Um, and I was heavily over-medicated um, to a point where it actually was starting to scare me and I wasn't being listened to. So I had to kind of open up that trauma and that wound. Um, but I found a psychiatrist who was absolutely amazing and heard all of my concerns about going back on medications after not being medicated for, you know, almost 18 years. Um, so finding that right balance and, you know, really trusting the process and being willing to experiment outside of your comfort zone. And for me, what that looked like was, you know, trying medications again, uh, to find that balance. Uh, it's, it was a, it was a game changer for me to kind of really help me refocus and, and reprioritize life and kind of recenter myself. Um, fuck, I had a follow-up about that and now it's gone, which just means I guess we're moving on to the next. It'll come back. <laughs> yeah, it'll come back if it's supposed to. The way I always do this kind of shit, because I am like overthinker supreme, you know? Like, oh, I'm yes. just like, you know what? I'm just going to trust that whatever is said is what needs to be said and her <laughs> others, right? I'm going to just trust the process. I'm not always in control. In a camping. <sighs> <laughs> one of the greatest things uh I, I recently learned in derby uh thank you so much for teaching this was uh you know you can't control being hit and falling down you can control what happens before you can control what happens after but you can control your recovery mm. so recovery right there is beautiful mm. that's a good one it really, really is. Um, that's definitely going to be one of those uh, graphic quotes I made. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Um, I know you touched a little bit on like how the pandemic has impacted your um, like mental health recovery, but I'm just wondering um, uh, it can be more about that or otherwise, like where is your focus currently in your own personal healing? Um, currently my focus is forgiveness, uh, and forgiveness of myself and reshaping how I view my injuries and my traumas. Um, I had an amazing therapy session a couple of days ago and we were talking about roller derby uh, and my therapist was asking me about injuries. Uh, and I was talking, I was telling him about like some of, he asked me specifically if there was an injury or injuries that I'd had that like are, are lasting. Um, so I was telling him about being hit in the chest and uh, basically having my chest popped out twice uh, and how it still to this day gives me, gives me trouble. Um, and we were talking about, you know, how I, I understand the difference between being injured and being hurt. I come from an incredibly competitive sports background since I was five. And, you know, I was a captain of most of the teams I was on and you, you have to learn to play through being hurt. It took me a very long time to learn to stop when I'm injured and to let the injury heal uh, and to learn the difference between being hurt and being injured um, and kind of having to acknowledge that, I'm incredibly, incredibly injured in life. 
And I need to allow that same healing that I would for an injury on the roller derby track that I've had in life. Uh, and I need to let all of them heal properly. And that takes time. Um, and sometimes that means reopening those wounds. Sometimes, you know, the wounds that have been closed for 20 plus years have to be reopened so that they can properly heal. Um, so accepting that, um, being okay with days that, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm backtracking uh, and accepting that in this moment, that's my very best. And I could never ask for any more than that. Uh, but mostly just learning to give the same level of care and compassion that I give to others, to myself. Yes, that is so necessary. It's like a constant reminder I need, especially as people who like give so much. It's like, if you give it all away, what's left, man? Uh. <laughs> um, I love that you're bringing up this injury thing because that's actually something that's been on my heart for like, like very heavily for almost a year now. Um, my last big roller derby injury happened in 2015. It is not a coincidence that like my mental health stuff and my addiction stuff and everything kind of ended up rolling all together around that time. But um, I still have lasting issues with that specific injury and I had a flare-up last summer that put me back in physical therapy and when that happened I realized this really might be forever like taking care of this really might be forever it's an everyday thing I have to do and really what what it really brought to the forefront for me was two things that I'm going to ask for maybe your feedback or experience around one was resentment huge resentment around honestly roller derby and the way at least I was playing at the time that I would not play that way again probably um I, I think I played a, a bit too aggressive um because honestly what hurt me was somebody came in for a hit and I, I hit him back but it was a shoulder thing mm -hmm. and we know our shoulders are not where our strength <laughs> is yeah. There was a pop immediately. So not only did my shoulder tear, but I also dislocated a rib. Oh. And so I had resentment kind of just around the way I played roller derby and just roller derby in general. And then I was faced with the realization that I was carrying around a lot of internalized ableism and acknowledging that I wasn't allowing myself the like care and accommodations that I actually likely need. So like the last time I got super hurt, I ended up in bed for like a week and then I couldn't move without a cane. Oh. And like, I didn't realize how much shame I had around like, like the first time I went out in public with a cane, like was difficult. And that's when I realized like, oh shit, this is some shit that's beyond my body, really. This is some fucking internalized ableism. So now I'm proud to say that I love my cane. I'm actually shopping for a black one because I was using, I was using an old cane. Some, like some blood splatter every now and I want to put spikes on it because ah. I figure it'll double as like a great like asshole beating stick. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. Anyway, so I'm just wondering um, if you have anything to say about dealing with the resentment and also dealing with internalized ableism? Um, I don't, I don't think I have resentment. It's, 
if, if I did, it would be resentment to myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't have that. I, I don't know. I, I am definitely not the same skater that I was. Uh, aside from being older, I also have a different mindset. Um, and I too, you know, the, the level of aggression uh, has definitely shifted. Uh, I don't know. They were also really good hits too. I know. Like, <laughs> I so still pissed. remember yeah. this that quote unquote hurt me flying through the air. <laughs> Yes. Like, yes, that felt great too. But I second that a lot of the resentment really was about me. And like, I remember crying to my partner being like, one of the hardest parts about this is knowing like, I had a part in it. It is my fault. Like, maybe not 100%, but I had a huge role in the way I was using my body. Definitely. Um, What about ableism? Do you have you dealt with any of that? Um. I don't think so around specifically around like this injury. No, around other injuries. Absolutely. Uh, it's difficult. Like I've spent most of my life just trying to feel normal mm. and feel like what everybody else presents. And, you know, I, that's never going to be me. And I think that's something that I've had to really this past year uh, sit and unpack and be okay with that the world that I live in and the world that like the world that exists and the social norms that exist within that world aren't me. I'm a round peg in a square box. And I, no matter how many times I try to whack to get in, I'm never going to, but what I can do is be a part of that. I can be a part of that awesome box. So you know, my, my big thing right now is finding things and people and that fit within that, that understand that I'm never going to be this round thing, that this is just who I am. And this is me every day. This is me showing up. And sometimes me showing up is me not showing up. Uh, and, you know, that looks like me not responding to text messages or emails or voicemails. I have I think there's at least 300 voicemails on my phone. There are 20,000 plus emails just on one account. There are, I think, 300 text messages. Like, this is what my anxiety every single day looks like. And in a world that's so reliant on technology, like that was, I think, one of the biggest things about the pandemic, that being isolated wasn't the worst part. It was being isolated and having to rely on technology to not be isolated And technology for me is so incredibly unhealthy for a multitude of reasons. I, because of the ADHD, I'll go on and look for something. And I'm just like, oh, I'm looking for this one thing. And, you know, people joke and they say, oh yeah, I've lost like 15 minutes, but like I've lost hours and I didn't find that one thing that I was going to do. And I can't remember what it was. You also put that with having severe dyslexia, the amount of reading that I have to do. I, it is so hard to explain to people that I want to get back to you, but I have to read all of these apps to just to communicate with anybody. And I can't even, I, don't, I barely have time to do the reading that I want to do. And so it's like, this world isn't meant for me, but I'm still trying to figure out how I can fit into that. Uh, I have forgotten what the question was. <laughs> um, 
I don't think it matters because everything you're saying, I'm just like eating the fuck up. <laughs> I just love when this shit happens. Like that's why I kind of love the like space that these questions provide because it takes us where we need to be taken. And like, if no one else gets anything from this, I am getting from it because- Oh my God, so I. I too, like the whole social, like social media specifically is very difficult for me. I, I could- take the whole hour just to talk about why social media is difficult to me it's very complex and yeah going through pandemic and like the way I prefer to socialize is in person yes um and 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 all of the in-person stuff just socializing and events and everything I was kind of up to were taken away and it's like made me feel like I'm like I have FOMO like I miss it <laughs> everybody's keeping up online and I yeah, just like okay. it, it just the anxiety in and of itself of being on and scrolling and not knowing what I'm missing and then you know whatever like I'm just like I don't even know if I have a, a follow-up question about this I'm just like very happy to hear someone else in my age group being like fuck technology I, like, I my partner like legit my partner is my technology adult I <laughs> I go to do stuff and I'm like babe here I, I can't like I, and it's not that for lack of trying, it's I can't keep up. Like, yeah. I feel like every time I've caught up on something, there's a new app, there's a new this, there's a new platform. And it's just like, I, I can't, I can't. I'm already I, on a daily basis living kind of in this hole that I'm trying to kind of get out of. And every, every now and then I can kind of get to like ground level and you add technology to it. And it's like, it's a whole nother hole for me to have to kind of have to work through on top of the hole that I'm already in. Uh, and so, you know, you, you kind of really touch on something that, oh my God, that really shook me is the, the FOMO, uh, of, you know, if you, if you aren't there seeing it, then you're missing it. But if you're doing it, then you're also kind of missing something too. And not being able to like, it's, it's, it just feels like this, you can't win. Yeah. Um, and at least that's how I feel is like, I, I get incredibly drained. There's days that I have the energy to kind of go on social media and the next day I, or next day, next weeks, next months, I'm like, I'm, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And it becomes kind of like this, almost like a groundhog, like kind of popping up and like, oh, nope, up, I'm back down. Um, and that is exhausting too. Um, and it, you know, then the shame kind of comes along with that of, you know, I want to be in people's life. I want people in my life. This isn't how I can do it, but this is the only way that we can. And I feel like I'm letting them down and mm -hmm. having to work through that shame. And then, you know, that's just adding more and bearing myself in my own hole. Uh, so it's difficult, much like life is. <laughs> yeah, I um. I just really appreciate even having this conversation of just like normalizing not being on social media all the fucking time. Uh, like the fact that it seems to be like required to participate in life is lame, especially like when we think about like who makes these things and how they're like total like capitalist tools and like they create it to keep us on. And if it's free, you know, they own your information and blah, 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 all that fucking shit. 
like social media is the fucking man man and so like you know what like why do I have to like like I know I've mentioned to you before this how I've been trying to like really reevaluate like what I participate in and how I do and social media use is definitely one of those um (sighs) um I know okay so you've touched on like therapy and kind of like the I guess quote-unquote traditional like realms of at least mental health stuff but I'm wondering if there are other like specific strategies or resources that have helped you in the past or currently um yeah I I found especially when I was not medicated, uh, that for me personally, I need a triad in order to be perfectly balanced. Uh, my tripod consists of music, art, and sports. Uh, when I have those three things in my life, I'm really incredibly grounded. Uh, so finding, finding things to kind of plug into those, those holes. Um, so I kind of mentioned before I did softball for a while, uh, and, you know, I found an amazing community where it was like, we were a softball team that had a social problem where we just loved being together, drinking and hanging out. Like, and we just happened to occasionally win a softball game every now and then. Uh, and then, you know, fortunately, unfortunately it ruined my life. I found roller derby and, you know, I growing up doing sports, I thought I understood sports. I thought I understood sports communities and there was, I've not found a sport that matches roller derby. And, you know, when I briefly lost that, trying to find something to fill that void was difficult. Um, And it was one of those things that was kind of like one of those earth shattering moments of like, all right, well, I did softball, let's go back to that. And I went back to it and it was like, I had this massive cavern that roller derby like had and I'm now throwing like pebbles into this cavern, trying to fill it up. And it was like, okay, well, that's not working. Let's try this. Let's try this. And it was like, nothing really gave that same feel. Um, and then, you know, I'm back in roller derby and it's, it's that it's full again. You know, I, I found an amazing choir that allows me to be around a bunch of people who are not just musically inclined, but they're so culturally diverse. I mean, we have people in their eighties, we've got people who are 18, we've got people from all walks of life that get together in a room once a week or before the pandemic at least to make music together. And it is absolutely phenomenal. And then art, you know, I, I'm constantly keeping my hands moving with some craft or something or another. Uh, but currently the thing that's kind of really, and I, I'm so beyond happy to have this and I'm really happy to continue this as a practice is Legos. Uh, I loved Legos as a kid and, you know, I found a set recently that I kind of was like, oh, that's really, really cool. Uh, I got it and I sat there and I put it together and, you know, I, for as many crafts as I do, as many things as I make, it's all there's something about me having to sit there and come up with a concept. Me, each stroke I'm doing, each whatever is something that I'm thinking about. With Legos, I'm not thinking about it. I'm thinking about what piece I'm going to grab and I'm placing that piece where it's supposed to go. And I'm building this giant thing that I then get to look at and it makes me excited. But like, there's something about taking yourself out of a moment 
for a good amount of time, almost like a meditative practice where I can put on music, I can put on a TV show, I can put on a podcast, I can just zone out and just do something over and over again. And I can have whatever thoughts I need. Uh, it's, I don't know, there's just something really, really rewarding about that, that, you know, and then I, there's something also to be said about being able to build it and take it apart and rebuild it, take it apart and build something else. Um, that's just fun and nostalgic. And it's, it feels like a hug. It feels like a hug for my inner child. <laughs> oh, I love that. Um, what's the last Lego thing you made? Uh, made and completed? Sure. Uh, so I'm working on the, what is it? Creator Expert Modular Series. Uh, it's about 10 years old now. No, it's older than 10 years. Sorry, Lego. Uh, it is, it's, it's been around for a minute, but it's basically modular, like a modular town. Uh, and they are decent sized buildings. Uh, and they take a good amount of time to do. But I've actually decided that that's going to be my next major, major project uh, is I'm going to start building my own town, my own layout platform uh, and have a whole setup uh, in my garage and just kind of zone out doing this. Uh, but I've got some dinosaurs behind me. I've got a dope ship in the bottle. Those dinosaurs are Legos? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I thought they were just like little bony bones. They are bony bones. But they're Lego bony bones. Oh, fun. Wow, Legos are like way more than just little blocks. Holy what shit. I'd say, yeah, like <laughs> you can't forget it. <laughs> like Legos are wow. legit. Holy shit, dude. Wow. That is so fun. Yeah. So, you know, just uh, stuff like that kind of keeps me busy, keeps my mind occupied, uh, keeps me sane, keeps me healthy, happy. Uh, yeah, but really just having that triad. I think the biggest part of the pandemic that made, that's made it difficult is I've also realized I'm not a Band-Aid kind of person. Uh, so... You know, you kind of mentioned it earlier, the, the pandemic has taken our resources away. It's taken away the things in our coping mechanisms. So, you know, I, I hear all these people and I hear my friends talking about like they're thriving, they're doing all these great things. And it feels like I'm in my own way thriving in terms of my mental health and like working on myself. But it's difficult because I, I'm not finding those, I'm not finding my band-aids to be good. They're not sticking. They're not what I need. And they're doing the opposite of what they should be. So where everyone else is like, let me go on Zoom and like see my friends. For me, going on Zoom is exhausting. Like it, it's the complete opposite. I love seeing people, but I don't have that same sense of joy. It's almost like I have, it's almost like because there's a screen, it's not real. Mm -hmm. It's, there's the real reality that I'm used to living in. And screen world isn't the world that I'm used to living in. This whole tech world and all of these, it's, it's like a black mirror episode. Like, I feel like I'm still living in a time where like, I'm totally happy getting handwritten letters in the mail. Yes. And the letters, like I, I just sent myself 10 emails through my own, whatever device. And it's like, wait, what? That's a thing. You can do that. Um, 
I totally agree. I feel like between having to do either gatherings virtually or the very few things that I've gone to socially distance and masked and shit, it always leaves me with this just like bummer feeling of like, it's still not the way it usually, like it's not the way I want it to be. Like, it's still like not, it's not like just being able to hug your friend and sit there all close and like shoot the shit. Like it has to be certain ways. And um, I don't know, I guess me personally, I've been uh, having to, I, I got used to Zoom after a few months because of just what I do in my day to day. Um, but it still is not the same. It's just not the same. And so it always just like bums me out a little bit. Um, yeah. <sighs> we're so close to, I feel like being on the other side though. Um, I can't fucking wait to hug everybody. Cause oh. I give good fucking hugs too. All right. Oh, I, know it. I will own it. I <laughs> fucking hugs and I've, I'm all fucking, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're all pent up and ready to be given. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Literally like a hug factory right now. It's like, you get a hug, you get a hug, you get a hug. Just like a factory line. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully I can get in that line multiple times. Yeah, hell fucking yeah, dude. Um, all right, so every interview includes a question from the previous guest. Yes. So your question from our last guest, who was Madonna, is if you were a restaurant, what restaurant would you be and why? <laughs> uh, that is okay. Does it have to be a specific restaurant or can it be like a style of restaurant? Um, I feel like they would say specific, but... Donna... I'm going to let it slide and I'm going to say your answer is your truth, Dukes. <laughs> all, right. all right. All right. All right. Specifically, uh, I'd probably be some dope, like hipster pizza joint, like straight up craft beers, some really dope whiskeys, like the best pizza ever with some wild toppings. Like I'm talking some stuff that you're like, that doesn't go together, but oh my God, yes, make my mouth happy. Uh, that, yeah. But if I can, sorry, Madonna, go a little broader. Um, I'd say probably something similar to like a blaze okay. where it's, you kind of come in and you get what you want. You get what you need and it's yours. And you get to share that with somebody else and they get to taste what your palate likes and you get to taste what their palate likes, whether you like it or not. Like you get to experiment with your own stuff. Yeah. I love those kinds of pizza places. Um, so what what is your like weird pizza topping combination? <laughs> okay. Okay. Here's the thing. <laughs> As somebody who's worked in a place like these, uh, you know, I'd bring in my own stuff. And so I've, I've done some stuff. Um, I have done an amazing uh, pizza. I worked at a place that had uh, an Asian inspired pizza. Great, great flavors. We're talking like some really great, like Thai spice flavors, uh, some chickens. I'd throw on some carrots, some cilantro. 
Uh, and one time I was like, all right, let's, let's, let's really give this a try. And I got some chow mein and I popped. Chow mein. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my God. I've got pictures of that beauty. Oh my God. I popped that thing in the oven. I popped that thing out of the oven. Perfect. Crispy bottom. Oh my God. Chow mein on a pizza is fire. Here's the thing. Uh, and this is not popular at all, but I'm going to say, if you're a person who likes pineapple on a pizza, even if you're not a person that likes pineapple on a pizza, just give it a try. Mandarin orange. Ooh. Mandarin orange on a pizza, especially if it's got some good Asian flavors to it. Ooh. Yes. I'm interested. I was like, I was waiting to see if you uh, talked shit about pineapple on pizza. <laughs> like, yes, team pineapple. <laughs> we are. Yes, team pineapple. I never would have thought of that. Does the texture get weird? Like, because they're like oh. thin skin and stuff? No? Well, it doesn't get weird at all. That's the thing. So, like, it it, it doesn't get weird. Um, there's also something really nice about the warm mandarin. Mm. Like, it's a nice, because it's so juicy. It's like a nice, warm, juicy that adds to your pizza sauce. Like it adds more flavor and layer that's just like, oh, it's like, it's similar to like kind of how a tomato adds flavor. Mm -hmm. I'm actually considering having a pizza party for my birthday. And now I'm like, where the mandarin orange is at? Uh, I didn't hear you say you're considering. I heard you say you're having a pizza party for your birthday. Was that correct? Yeah, so I'm considering having, it probably will. Um, oh my god <laughs> pizza life oh my god you're committed <laughs> it is a lifestyle pizza life <laughs> I'm also clearly doing laundry <laughs> um all right so now what would you like to ask the next guest all right uh next super amazing super rad guest uh money is no object uh, you can do absolutely anything you want. What does your perfect day look like? Oh, now I'm already thinking about my own answer. <laughs> well, I was just going to tell you, you have to answer yourself. Um, no, I was going to say you have to answer yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, who's going first? You. I had a feeling. Uh... My perfect day. Um, all right. I think I would go to Disneyland and probably on Dapper Day and do some great people watching. Uh, I would definitely spend some time in the Lego store. Uh, Man, what else would I do? Oh, God, I'd have so much good food. Like, if I could, I'd buy a second stomach with that money so that I could have more of that good food in that day. Um, I know I'd be around some just really great people. And I know I want to see a musical. What musical? Or I know that's probably a big question, but whether it's playing or not, I want to see Lin-Manuel Miranda's next greatest hit. Ooh, a future answer. Um, one more follow-up. What are you wearing to Dapper Day? Oh, gosh. Um, 
Ooh, all right. We're going Tux this time. Maroon Tux with a satin uh, black lapel uh, of like dope ass uh, Disney pins for my lapel pins. Um, Maroon fedora with great accent pieces of feathers and more Disney pins that complement down here. Uh, we're going, we're going classic black, classic black shoes, but like sparkle. Uh, oh, mm, forgot to mention one of the most important, uh, matching maroon glitter beard. <laughs> Fuck yes. Always. Um, no wrong with a glitter beard. Oh my God. Never. Uh, yeah, I think that's the outfit for the day. And I, I don't know what color shirt. I think I, I hate white shirts so much. It's like, please get all that Disney grease on me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, we're going to go gray, like a medium gray. Okay. One more follow-up. What's your favorite Disney ride? Favorite Disney ride. You could pick one from each park if you really have to. Um, all right. Favorite, Dis favorite Disney ride, Tower of Terror. R.I.P. We don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> Guardians is cool, but man, at I least have it. Do what? I refused to go on it. The last oh, time I met it was Guardians, I was like, no. No, you should. <laughs> now you have to because it's, it's uh, after COVID. You got to go. Uh, it's it's not tower, but it's still cute. Yeah, they 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 repurposed it in the best ways that they could. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love uh, what is it? Ariel's no, it's not Ariel's Grotto. Whatever her ride is, the like the Little Mermaid one that like, yes, that one like however many years ago, and it still sounds new to me, but it was like almost ten years ago. Ah, <laughs> uh... um. What about from the main park? Because those are California Adventure. <laughs> Guilty. Um, all right. Main park. Haunted Mansion. Duh. And, and it has to be at, like the right time. Big Thunder Mountain. Mm -hmm. At night when the fireworks are going off. Oh, fun. I've never thought to do that because I'm always watching the fireworks. That's a good idea. First, I mean, you've already seen them. They don't change or they change. <laughs> They're amazing. Thank you, Disney. Uh, here's the thing. Everyone else is watching the fireworks. Nobody else is going Big Thunder. <laughs> Best way to view it is like, ah, 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 I swear. <sighs> That's so funny. Um that's given me time to think about my, like, regardless of money day. And all I'm thinking about is like things I've been dying to do throughout pandemic. So I would get tattooed for fucking yes. sure. I have been really itching to get a memorial tattoo for my cat. Right. Um, and I'm like pretty sure what I want. So that would probably be I'd probably have a bomb ass breakfast first. Oh, maybe I'd go to like my favorite diner for breakfast. Coral Cafe in Burbank is my favorite. Haunted as fuck. Is it? But no, no, no. No, I want it to be haunted. Oh, I yeah, love no, that. Fuck. Yes. <laughs> you know? 
Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh yeah. Oh fuck yeah. Um I'm gonna have to get spooky there sometime. Yep. Yeah, maybe go to coral, get tattooed. I probably need a nap after getting tattooed <laughs> because that takes a lot out of me. But I'm trying to think of like some like fun, weird place to take a nap. I don't know, in the woods. I don't uh -huh. know. I don't really need money to do that. No, I probably want to nap in my own bed. But then like another thing I thought about was like, I, I want to have like maybe a bonfire or something and buy like a fuck ton of s'mores and just like invite all the best people over um, to have like a fun bonfire slash like maybe like maybe like an impromptu little show like whoever has instruments bring them yes. kind of thing, you know? just like again I guess it doesn't even cost that much money I don't care I just like want to see people and I want to make fire and s'mores there's <laughs> some dragon there and you've got the best day. oh my god we could totally like sometimes we watch movies outside because we have a projector we could like project yes. a virtual drag show or something at the same time oh. yeah yeah that's a pretty good day. Yeah. That's a really good day. That's a lot of stimulation for someone like me, but I think oh it would God. be worth it. <laughs> the, crash, the crash after. Yeah, wow. I would be asleep for days afterwards, but I think yeah. it would be really worth it. Maybe I'd even have like people fluctuate in and out. So it's not like a million people at once, you know, just to, like, stagger it, chill it out a bit. Yeah. Um, maybe I do. Now this is assuming there's more than 24 hours in a day. I also like just fucking love animals. So I would probably want to go. <gasps> yes. Oh, this is what I want to do. I <laughs> go, okay. In okay. Silmar, there's like this wildlife um, sanctuary where they like saved animals that were like hurt or whatever and they can't be re-released so they live there and you can pay to meet some of them um, I would absolutely pay to meet every animal I can meet and the one that's like the most famous one there is there's a sloth there's two sloths actually um I would meet all the animals for fucking sure that's what I would want to do um, and then whatever money I have left I'll just give it to them because they probably <laughs> One in the world just got left to them. Yeah, that one's cute, actually. Betty White apparently like gives them a lot of money, so like her name is like kind of up in there. Um, that was one of the last things I think we did um, before pandemic, um, or maybe it wasn't. I don't. Time is like a joke anymore. Yeah, so. time. Who's she? <laughs> I think she's running late. Um, she late as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, that was the last question. Uh, we have a couple minutes. Is there anything just like on your heart that you want to say or talk about before we wrap it up? Uh, is it too late to introduce myself? <laughs> <laughs> no, if you want to say more, go for it. <laughs> Hi, I'm Corey, aka Doogie. I've been talking to you for the past, I don't know how long, because we don't know who time is anymore. Uh, I am your uh, resident neurodivergent trans, uh, just regular dude. Yeah. I would replace regular with um, extra amazing. Old. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
rad fantastic <laughs> my favorite <laughs> <laughs> yay um all right well can i know we we talk mad shit on social media but <laughs> <laughs> all these things always got to end on is there anything you'd like to promote or how anything you'd want like people to look up or find you or anything find me or or anything else you want them to find i suppose Oh gosh, I think uh, you know. I just want everyone to find themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Is that too corny to end on? Oh, that's deep. No, uh, I think that's that, great. That was your soundbite. <laughs> <laughs> that's the last uh, quote graphic. Find your fucking self. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it, and I love you. I'm so oh. glad that we got to do this, and um, so I can't much. wait to see you outside of this little screen yeah yeah i'm gonna have to come pet your dog and shit that's a must um all right well oh i guess i should say if you're listening and you don't even know how you got here healed as fuck is much more than a podcast it's a whole slew of things where i help people so if you're looking for emotional support spiritual support fun stuff um free resources uh there will actually be events coming up in the near to distant future go to healedaf.org or find us on ig only oh no i have a tiktok now (laughs) (laughs) ig and tiktok at healed af um the tiktok's pretty fun there's like some guided breath work for one is guided breathing for badasses and the other one is guided breathing for relieving the bullshit um and then i also teach you how to read tarot with uno cards on one of them so that's fun um but really go to my site and give me money because tiktok don't um all right i guess that's it Let's say bye, at least in the recording. Bye.